Welcome back to another episode of Orion's From the Battlefield to the Boardroom podcast. If you missed part one of this episode with Justin Nasiri from Beyond the Uniform, make sure you check out the first part to hear more about Justin's journey from the military to Stanford Business School and what led him to becoming the entrepreneur that he is today. In part two, we'll take a deeper dive into Beyond the Uniform, iTunes number one rated podcast for military to civilian career advice. Justin talks about the origin and evolution of Beyond the Uniform, shares inspirational stories from some of his favorite guests, as well as sharing valuable advice for transitioning service members. I hope you've enjoyed this conversation with Justin as much as I did, and I encourage you to check out Beyond the Uniform at beyondtheuniform.org or your preferred podcast listening platform. If you have any questions about this interview or topics for future podcasts, please send me an email at podcast at oriontalent.com. I want to talk a little bit more about what you're doing now because it's super exciting. Like I said, we've had someone from our um, company was the guest on your podcast. So how did you decide to start Beyond the Uniform? Um, you were obviously involved in Storybox so, and you still are. So what was it that led you to starting Beyond the Uniform and what were you initially hoping to accomplish? Yeah, so there was kind of two big milestones. One was, this is about three years ago, uh, uh, my wife, one of her best friends, uh, her husband is in the Marine Corps as a pilot, or uh, or was at the time. And uh, we were down in San Diego visiting them, and it happened to be this woman's birthday. And so at this birthday party was a lot of, of Chris's friends, and they're all you know in the military as well. And so at this point, I'd been out for, I don't know, seven years or so. And I, I hadn't had, you know, after Stanford, I didn't really, I wasn't around military people as much. And so it was kind of like this reconnection and talking to a lot of other Naval Academy grads and people who were all in and just kind of listening to them talk. They were all doing what I did seven years earlier, which was complain about what am I going to do when I get out? And I think it was a reminder to me of like, oh man, that sucked. Like the, when I knew I was getting out of the military, it really sucked trying to figure out what I was going to do. And coming from this entrepreneurship mindset, it's kind of like, well, when you see a problem, you immediately just start brainstorming around like, oh, how do you fix that? There's a, there's a problem. It's a pretty big pain point. There's a lot of people affected. There's got to be some way to be able to solve that. And I kind of just in the back of my mind, noodled around on that for months. And I remember I was on a layover in the Portland airport. I was between flights and walking to the airport and I was listening to Tim Ferriss's podcast and it just kind of clicked for me. I'm like, oh man, because I, you know, I didn't have a ton of time, but I had a couple hours a week I wanted to be able to devote to trying to solve this pain point. And I thought, okay, here's, here's a good solution. I don't need to have the answers. I just need to be able to find people who have different pieces of information and ask them questions. And podcasts seem like a good way to get that information out. And that was kind of the the starting point of Beyond the Uniform of thinking like, okay, let's let's not try and convince people of anything. Let's just give them information. Like I don't have a dog in the fight in terms of what someone should do or or even whether or not someone should get out of the military. Because I my sense was it's just as bad if someone stays in the military out of fear of not knowing what they're going to do, it's just as bad if they get out thinking the grass is greener and then realizing like, oh man, I, mm-hmm. I had it pretty good in the military. 
And so I just set out to start interviewing people and talking about it and saying like, okay, you, you know, you're an investment banker. I'd never heard of that before business school. I actually thought it was like a teller at a bank, not this billion dollar industry, <laughs> trillion dollar industry. And so I would meet with mm -hmm. them and say, okay, you're an investment banker. Explain to us what that is. What do you like about it? What's your day-to-day -day life look like? How did you get here? What advice do you have for other vets? And um, yeah, that was 330 episodes ago. And it's um, it's been a ton of fun to just, you know, we've done the podcast and, and we do webinars and written some books and, you know, we do a couple different things. But the, the mainstay is the uh, the podcast. And I'm, I'm grateful for that format because, you know, even still, I have, I have pretty limited time to devote to this. And if I was trying to do all the research and trying to, like, figure out what investment bankers do and trying to package that up, mm -hmm. that would be that would be way more time than I have. But doing exactly what you're doing of just talking to other people, I think, is a really powerful way to create a valuable resource for others. Yeah, and it kind of sounds like you have um, some of the same ideas that I have about it doing Orion's podcast in that, you know, every episode probably isn't going to be for every single person. Maybe someone doesn't care about investment bankers, so they skip it and they listen to another one. But I'm sure that there are a lot of valuable lessons in that that everyone can relate to. So even if they're not trying to be an investment banker, you know, they there's probably still a lot of advice and things of value in there that they can listen to about someone's transition or even their decision to pursue a particular career path. Um, but really, like you said, you're just providing the information to them and, you know, people will consume it and do whatever they want. Um, as a result, they might take action on something that you've said. Um, they might just listen to it for information, entertainment, whatever the case may be. But you're kind of just giving them all of these different um points of view that they can listen to and hopefully glean something from that as well. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And what I think is the most humbling for me is still to this day, I am such a poor predictor of which interviews will be good, you know, quote unquote good or not. Mm -hmm. And and like one of the ones I'm thinking of is this lady who works um, for like a, it's basically a, a city office. And I remember going into that interview, just thinking like, oh, what is this about? You know, this is not a career <laughs> path that I would find fulfilling. It's not, I don't know if this is going to be beneficial to our audience. And I loved the conversation. This lady is one of probably 10 people out of 300 plus that I've interviewed where my sense is she has found her calling. Like she has found mm -hmm. something that makes her overjoyed. And there's not a lot of people, honestly, that I, I can say that about. And, you know, what I loved about our conversation is she spent 14 years getting there. She worked 14 years. She probably worked 20 different odds and ends jobs in those 14 years. And she was meandering and she was figuring things out. And at the end of that time in the wilderness, she found something that just is perfect for her and for her family. And so I agree. I think that there's, you know, not every episode itself that, that you and I both do, like is going to be a hundred percent for everyone. And yet there's still these tidbits and these lessons learned from these incredible people that, that are still, um, still pretty worthwhile. 
Yeah, definitely. So you've been doing this for several years now. How has the podcast kind of evolved over time? Or, um, you know, you mentioned, I think, webinars and ebooks. So is that kind of where you see the company going is just to offer more resources and not just be limited to the podcast? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I think one thing that we're trying to figure out, this has kind of been a nights and weekends pursuit for me and a couple people who volunteer. And we're just definitely trying to find ways to have a bigger impact and have this be more of a uh, sustaining organization that can actually grow. And so one of the things that we're introducing soon is recognizing that podcasts are exceptional. And that's you know definitely something mm-hmm. I love and clearly our audience enjoys. And other people consume information differently. And so taking the interviews that we've done, we've started to put them into short article formats and short videos and other formats and creating more of a library of content and organizing it in a way where if someone just wanted to hop on and research a few career paths and see tips about interviewing or see what a day in the life looks like or different common themes, it's easier to consume those and skim and and, and digest the content differently. And so the, the library is something that we're really excited about and furiously working to, to get ready to come out on that. And then I think, you know, I think that the core premise is something that we just want to deepen of, of expanding the reach of the podcast and doing more webinars. And we've done, uh, we're considering doing a, an actual in-person conference and just finding different ways to, to give value to the military community and the, and the military families as well. Yeah, that's awesome. And you mentioned you have over 300 episodes, which is about three times more than what we have in Honestly, I I don't think I don't know the exact statistics on it, but I don't think that many podcasts uh, even make it to 100 episodes. So a lot of them kind of, you know, hit the ground running and then either the person who's hosting it can't keep up with the topics or they kind of just burn out. Um, Obviously, there's tons of podcasts out there, so maybe they didn't get the traction that they wanted and so they just quit. So that's really impressive to have 300 episodes. And obviously, you have some really great guests. I'm assuming it gets easier for you to get these high profile guests because of the fact that your show does so well. Um, But I did actually want to ask you if there were any notable guests that stood out to you or even topics that you've covered that have either been a favorite of yours or to your audience. Mm. I'll I'll just speak for myself on that. Um, And I I think that it's actually the, the three, two or three that I'm thinking of are probably similar flavors. And so maybe it's more revealing about me. But um, the first one is a, a guy by the name of Stacy Bear. And it was a, an interview unlike any other that I've done where, um, so Stacy, as he talked about in the podcast, was on the verge of committing suicide. And a friend invited him to go rock climbing outdoors. And, and he literally thought, like, I could kill myself today or next week. Okay, I'll go climbing. And in this rock climbing experience and being outside, he fell in love with being in nature and fell in love with physical activity. And he went on to become National Geographic New Explorer of the Year and running the Sierra Club and doing a documentary called Adventure Not War and just an incredible human being. But 
I started the interview, and, and just like you and I chatted for a couple minutes before we started the recording, I was talking with him, and he's like, look, one of my good outdoor adventure friends just passed away. And we talked about whether or not to just reschedule the interview. And as a credit to mm-hmm. Stacy, he wanted to go forward with it. And so we clicked record. And from that moment of just that, that brush with death, continuing in that vein, it was such a authentic and, and just um, compelling conversation. And, and, and the second one that I'll throw out is um, I spoke d- recently with a, a guy named Dan Knossen. And Dan was, um, he was actually a classmate of mine at the Naval Academy, though I didn't really know him. Um, he was a Navy SEAL and uh, was uh, in an accident where he lost both of his legs. And Dan talked about his journey from the battlefield to Walter Reed and having to, you know, we, we've talked about transitions today, but I mean, talk about a new transition. You view yourself as one of the most, honestly, in my view, one of the most powerful men on the planet physically, and then not not having legs, not being able to run, not being able, certainly not being able to be a SEAL, and, and having to reconstruct his life out of nothing, out of the ashes. And he goes on, he's never heard of the biathlon, and he goes on to train and devote himself to the Paralympics and and. Uh, earns a gold medal in Sochi. And I just loved, I mean, it's just how many people on the planet have faced such unbelievable circumstances like that. And then to hear him in this interview, he talks about how in SEAL training, you learn, you just, you know, in, in dire situations, you just get from one moment to the next. And so that's what he did in the hospital. He was just going moment to moment, just getting through physical therapy, just hour or minute by minute, and just not looking beyond that. And, you know, obviously the parallel I take for, for my own life and for our listeners' life is exactly what we've been talking about, of just kind of moment by moment checking in and seeing what the right thing to do is and doing that and and not needing to know the destination, not needing to have the answers, but just trying to do in each moment what is best. And and Dan is such a powerful mm-hmm. example of that, of someone who has achieved great things in the military and then outside of the military. But but the period in between, I just can only imagine how much darkness was there and how much uncertainty and how much fear and doubt there was. And yet to see, as a testament to the man he is, to see him go through that fire and emerge on the other side was just so powerful. Oh, for sure. And I love those two examples that you gave because of the fact that, you know, our podcast does focus more on the career transition aspect, but there's so much more to it than that. And it sounds like you guys cover so many of the topics that honestly might be a little bit tough to cover. I mean, someone's talking to you about, you know, their mental health issues and the fact that they wanted to commit suicide. Like that can't be an easy interview to conduct, (laughs) although obviously kind of knowing, you know, what's on the other side of it and how it turns out, you know, makes it a little bit of an easier story to help tell. But I mean, I really like those examples that you gave. And I would just, you know, we're, we're short on time, but I would just point out too for because I, I think that these these challenges are unfortunately not that unique, and and in both of those cases, when you know, let's just take Stacy as an example, when he had the courage 
to open up about his battle with suicide, when he had the courage to open up about all of the self-doubt and all the problems he was experiencing, my my experience on the other side of the mic, and I, I know from our audience's reaction, their reaction is respect and admiration and wanting to know someone more. Like it, the, the things that we are so hesitant to reveal, the things that we think like, man, if I open up about this, people are going to judge me or dislike me or move away. My experience has been it's the opposite, that when he had the courage to open up about that very vulnerable thing, I'm like, man, I want to know this guy more. And I just throw that out for for your listeners, for anyone who is experiencing difficulty or is feeling really vulnerable, that even though all of your instincts show, you know, want you to, to seek isolation or to really close up around that, if you have the courage to to open up to safe people or to friends or to family, I think you will be surprised by the response and the outpouring of love and support and admiration and and respect for your your choosing to do that difficult thing of actually share and be open about it. Definitely. And I would encourage anybody to go listen to those two episodes specifically that you mentioned. But in addition to that, you know, you've got this huge library of podcasts. Are there any in particular that you would suggest are kind of a, you know, an intro to Beyond the Uniform? So just really a few podcast episodes that someone could go and listen to as a starting point in getting them introduced to Beyond the Uniform. I, that's such a good question. Um, there's one that comes out uh, in two weeks with Rich Cardona that I just loved. He's a video strategist and is just an entrepreneur, and he is um, so so full of life. You know, one of them that I would say too is a guy. This is years ago that I did the interview, but Nate Boyer is a um, he went he was a walk on to UT Austin for football, and he went on to the Seattle Seahawks. And this guy, I mean, it's an incredible career journey. And you could listen to this interview while you're running and your pace will be faster than it's ever been. Like he's just so motivational and inspiring. And it's um, one of those interviews where you'll learn a lot about career paths and you'll also learn about just having the chutzpah and the drive to make your dreams come true. And so I'd say Nate Boyer or uh, Rich Cardona are good starting points. Awesome. So what are some of the common themes that you've found interviewing so many veterans? Like we said, you cover so many different topics, but are there is there anything that kind of stands out to you as being a reoccurring theme, specifically with people who are making the transition from active duty? Yeah. So first, first one is that selling is absolutely essential, and it's something that we as military members suck at. Uh, you have to sell yourself in an interview. You have to sell yourself in a variety of situations. And 100% of the people I've interviewed, they have difficulty talking about what they accomplished. They'll talk about what their team accomplished. They'll talk about what their, uh, you know, what their ship accomplished or their unit. But you know, with using I, they'd much rather use we. And that's part of the culture. I think it's a great, a beautiful part of the military culture. And that asset in the military is a liability as a civilian. You are interviewing against civilians who, for the 5, 10, 15, 20 years you were in the military, have been really good at selling themselves and talking about what they did and claiming credit for what their team did. And so if you go in against that person 
and you're unwilling to talk about what you have done, that's, that's really a liability. And so I think that selling is one, one thing that many people talk about on, on the show. Another is the identity piece. I think that, you know, when I was in the military, I felt like I wasn't like GI Joe, you know, I kind of knew I was getting out. I wouldn't have my, <laughs> I didn't feel like my identity was wrapped up around being in the military. And my two years at business school was a big unexpected transition. Like I didn't have that community. I didn't have that clear identity and I missed a lot about the military. And so just realizing the identity and community piece is something that pretty much everyone I've talked to has struggled with. And so you can offset that by, uh, you know, churches or other local groups or family or having friends around you, but just making sure you're not alone in that transition. And then the, the last piece is one that I, I need to figure out a better way to talk about. But um, And so again, my, my intention is not to offend people, but the biggest thing is um, I, I have a sense that the biggest challenge to the military community in their transition is a sense of entitlement. And I don't think that's the, the the military member's fault. I think that we, when I was in the military, and I don't think I'm alone on this, I was often told like, you know, the nation's grateful for your service. The nation owes you a lot. You're going to be taken care of when you get out. And I and most of the people I've interviewed did not have that experience. Like we got out, there wasn't a parade waiting for us. There wasn't anyone willing to give us a job. And I would say um, in my 12 years as a civilian, the fact that I served in the military, it's probably gotten me half a dozen beers for free and maybe someone bought me a meal mm -hmm. and that's it. I mean, I don't think it, I don't think anyone's ever done anything extra and above because at one point I was in the Navy. And so I think it's just a, it's completely an issue of mindset that we're building up our members of the armed forces to expect that they're going to get out and, and everything's going to be taken care of for them. And if instead, you know, one of the guys, one of the first guys I interviewed on my show, Britt Young, he said um, something to the effect of, look, while I was in the Marine Corps for seven years, it wasn't like my civilian counterparts were just playing with Lincoln logs for seven years. Like they were mm -hmm. getting really good at finance. They were getting really good at something else. And so he left the military expecting a very, very competitive landscape. And he did really well because he was expecting that. And so it's one of those things, again, I wish I could express this more succinctly, but it's like, if you approach the transition, assuming you're 100% on your own, assuming that you will only get a job if you make that happen, assuming you will only find a career path if you do the heavy lifting to know what you want and to find it, and that you're going to have to break through walls to make that happen. Well, first of all, if you have that mindset, if things go easier, who cares, right? That's easy. Like It's like kind of like expecting things to be rougher. But, but two, it really does, um, you know, Jocko Willink has that book and Leif Babin have the book Extreme Ownership, it places the extreme ownership on you to realize that you are the only person looking out for yourself. And that's, you know, that's the way it is for mm -hmm. me now, 12 years out. Like I'm looking out for me and my family, no one else is. But, but I hope that that's not discouraging to listeners because the number one thing that I think that we learn in the military is being able to break through walls. Like I learned on submarines how to get a job done no matter what. 
to overcome incredible obstacles to execute and deliver. It's just the same thing, but you're doing it for yourself rather than for your unit. And that can be hard for people. I think it could be, it can feel selfish. It's not, but to like start to use that to the benefit of yourself and your family, because last thing I'll say on that is my personal view is our country is better when every member is doing what's right for them. They're pursuing a job that makes them happy. They're pursuing a life that makes them happy. Those happy, productive people do good for our economy and for our marriages and our communities. We need more people who are alive in what they're doing. So it's not an act of selfishness to pursue what's right for you and your family. It's actually the best thing you can do for your community and for you know those around you is to show them what it looks like to pursue fearlessly what's right for you and what you believe in. Definitely. And you said you wish you could say it more succinctly, but I think you said that perfectly. So I appreciate, <laughs> I appreciate you sharing that. So just to touch on some of the other things that you're doing beyond the uniform, you mentioned that you guys have webinars, you have eBooks. So um, first of all, in terms of the webinars, are those something that do, are they regularly occurring and how can people kind of sign up for those and um, learn more about them? So it's it's relatively new for us. It's at beyondtheuniform.org slash events. And I think we've got four or five scheduled right now. And we, we plan on doing uh, a couple a month. Um, it is it is regularly occurring. We, we just kind of, every webinar we hold, we solicit topics from the audience. And then we do that. Um, it's similar to the podcast. So one of them uh, we have coming up is networking or uh, interviewing 101. We did networking 101. We did one that was around discovering values, and we had another one that was a deeper dive on sales. And so um, it's something that, that, that um, we just keep on, either I do it or I find someone to lead it. And um, what I like about the webinars is it's, it's more of a discussion. And so, you know, people can come with their unique question and we can have a dialogue around mm -hmm. it. So, you know, obviously more interactive than a podcast, though, though some of the themes are similar. Yeah, I really like that idea. And then with the ebooks, I know you guys have ebooks, videos, a variety of other things that you're just sort of starting to delve into on the website. Is there anything in those categories that you would recommend for people to go check out? I would. Um, so we, when I first started Beyond the Uniform, I did more of this. It just takes a ton of time and money that that I don't have to devote to it right now. But um, when I first started, I, I actually started looking at LinkedIn. And I started, my, my insight was like, oh my God, we've got the largest public database of career information and no one is looking at this, right? Like I'm sure the Naval Academy has sent me surveys. I've never filled them out. And I'm active on LinkedIn because it's in my best interest. So I looked at LinkedIn and I started looking at, um, as a starting point, I started looking at people in the military and said, okay, I always wondered how long to stay in the military. Well, let's look at the numbers. Like, how does that impact things? If someone gets out after four or five years, what looks different from someone who stays in for 20 years? And so we have an e a free ebook on this that actually looks at um, characteristics of, you know, for different lengths of service, how that affects where you live, what industry you go into, what functional role like sales or marketing you go into, a couple different things like that. And I, I repeated that on um, consulting most recently. I looked at every single veteran who has worked at a top 10 consulting company 
I looked at what branch of service they were in, how much civilian work experience they had, highest levels of education, how that even correlated to how much they were paid. Um, and so I, I wrote an ebook. I wrote a book on Amazon as well called Veterans and Consulting. And so um, those are those are just some of the things. I'd love to do more of that. It just takes um, in order to kind of crunch the numbers, I have to have other people do that. So it usually costs a couple thousand dollars. And so we don't have the, the funds that be on the uniform to do that. And it's it's pretty interesting stuff because um, still no one I see is doing that. And it's, <laughs> it's all publicly available on LinkedIn. All these veterans are talking about what they're doing now. And I think it's interesting to say, okay, let's look at finance. Look at, let's look at entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. Let's look at the numbers. How long do people serve? Where do they serve? What do they go on to do? And it's all, it's all right out there ready for someone to look at. Yeah, definitely. So in turn, you've, you've mentioned a lot of ideas of things that you want to do in the future and, you know, ways that you can make Beyond Uniform more sustainable and keep adding to your resources. But is there anything that you know, you you kind of know that's concrete, that's coming up, whether it's an upcoming guest that you're excited about or um, an upcoming webinar that you want people to know about. Hmm. The uh, the thing I'm most excited about is this this Wednesday I interview them, and it won't go live until mid-December um, 2019, but the, um, I'm, I'm interviewing Jocko Willink and Leif Babin, who wrote a book called Extreme Ownership that was New York Times number one bestseller. And the dichotomy of leadership was the number one bestseller. Um, both Navy SEALs in the Battle of Ramadi. They've been on Tim Ferriss and a bunch of other big podcasts. But I'm just an enormous fan of their their books and their podcasts. And so to to sit down with them on Wednesday, I'm both intimidated and excited. So that's <laughs> um, that's a podcast to keep an eye out for. And then um, the the events, I actually enjoy all of them. I think in January, we're doing one that's um, veterans in finance. We're doing one that's veterans at the top three consulting firms, which is a follow-on to a webinar we did called Veterans in Consulting. And we did a values workshop. Actually, my my wife led this one with me. She's uh, an executive coach. We did a free webinar where we worked with just a small group of, of six veterans and we did some exercises to help them figure out what their values are and what matters most to them in their job. And that was uh, that was really fulfilling to kind of do that in a much smaller format. Well, definitely. So, of course, we'll post the link to the website so that everyone can go and check out all of the things that we've talked about. Of course, subscribe to your podcast because it sounds um, I mean, I've, I've listened to it before. It's great. I can speak to that. But for anyone who hasn't, it is a very, it's an amazing podcast, covers so many different topics like we've, you know, discussed here today. And of course, Justin, you always do a great job too. So I would encourage everyone to go check it out. And you've given so much good advice here on this podcast just over the last hour that we've been talking. But just to kind of wrap this up, is there any lasting advice that you want to leave with people who are listening, whether it's on their military transition or just general advice that, you know, you've learned from your experience or in speaking with all of the 300 plus guests that you've had on your show? Mm. Well, I mean, Megan, thank you for having me and, and the kind words and just, it's been a lot of fun comparing notes with you and having the conversation. I guess the, the last thing that I would say is, um, I, I it's, it feels like uh, I'm speaking out both sides of my mouth, but it's like, one, to both be confident in the transition, to be confident in the skills that they bring to the table, be confident in the extreme amount of experience that they bring to the table, and 
to, to treat that transition with, I don't want to say reverence, but it's like the right word. It's like to treat it with reverence in that it's not going to be easy. Like don't, don't go into a gunfight. Don't go into battle. Don't go into Afghanistan expecting it to be Disneyland, like treat it with the proper reverence of doing the preparation work and expecting it to be much more difficult and being willing to break through walls. Like I think if you marry those two things, you'll do just great. And and I just actually hit for my for Beyond the Uniform, I had an interview just this morning with someone who works at um Dartmouth Tuck School of Business. And she pointed this out and I'd never, never thought of this before, but at this program at Tuck, they do business training, like a two-week course, and they combine it for military veterans and for elite athletes. And what I thought was so incredible was if you picture an elite athlete, if you think of someone who's won a gold medal in the Olympics, when I think of them going on to their next career, I'm like, man, they are extremely driven, like they are extremely disciplined, they're extremely capable. And if they're going into the world of business, yeah, I expect them to have to learn some new skills. I expect them to have to learn from others and and learn a lot of new things, but I totally know they're going to be able to do it. That's the exact same thing that I would say for military veterans. But sometimes it's easier seeing someone on the other side of the fence, and that's why they pair veterans with these elite athletes so that each of them can learn from the other. And so I would just say for listeners, like I view you as those elite athletes, like you've won the gold, you've done incredible things, and it's going to take a lot for your next career. And I I completely know that you're up for it. I think that's great advice. And going back to what you said about feeling like you're speaking out of both sides of your mouth, I think that the advice that you just gave is applicable to so many things in life. I mean, you know, you've spoken about your marriage. And so it's like, you know, if you go into marriage thinking, oh, this is going to be a breeze, it's going to be so easy, you don't have to do any (laughs) type of work. I mean, that's truly the case for everything. And so I think that resonates um, in this particular topic, too. And I I wouldn't worry about uh, the feeling of contradicting yourself or anything like that. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for having me. And I, I just really appreciate it. It's been a real pleasure. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much for joining. I appreciate it so much. And we will, of course, provide links so that everyone can go and check out your show and everything that you have going on at Beyond the Uniform. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Orion's From the Battlefield to the Boardroom podcast. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud so that you never miss an episode. We'd love to hear from you. So if you have any feedback, please send me an email at podcast at oriontalent.com. Our goal is to help all military job seekers through their transition and beyond. So make sure you share our show with your friends. See you next time.